And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Brian is not with me. He had his second Pfizer vaccine shot, and he's been out for two days. He's been uh, devastated by the vaccine. The micro trip is really sending some strong microwave waves. But joining me today, Jay King, Boston Celtics reporter from The Athletic, and Alex Schiffer, Brooklyn Nets reporter for The Athletic Fellas. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just enjoying this competitive series. I think it'll <laughs> it'll probably go seven games. I'm sure we'll see some very close basketball games over the coming days. I, I like that you said Jay's name before mine, as if you, you tried to... All right, you went in alphabetical order, but who cares? Jay, since you're new to this, I it's, it's like a Matt Damon, Jimmy Kimmel thing of like Mike <laughs> never having me on. Like it takes the takes Brian being out with the vaccine side effects to, for me to come on. Like I'm Harry Potter underneath the cupboard uh, or underneath yes. the Or Privet Drive. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for my owl to come in the mail and, 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 and you know, go, uh, go all wizard on. Headwigs on, on the way, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one day, one day. Um, before we get started deep diving into the series, we have some beautiful news to hit. Um, injury updates. Alex, you have a fantastic injury update to tell us what's going on with Jeff Green. What's happening with him? Yeah, he has a strained plantar fascia. Try saying that 10 times fast uh, and will be reevaluated in 10 days. So I guess optimistically he will be back for the second round series. Assume, unless Boston makes this competitive, no offense to uh, uh, Jay's analysis of it being a competitive series, but uh, <laughs> I think it's safe to say he's out for the rest of the first round and, and we'll see what happens with Miami and Milwaukee and if he can get back for the start of the second round, if not, if not sometime in there. Jay, we talked a little bit in our pre-show meeting, our epic pre-show meeting about Jason Tatum. Yeah, that was a meeting. Uh, what? Jason Tatum's good to go. Is it 100%? What's, what, what actually happened to him? He got poked in the eye. He, his eye was swollen a little bit, but sounds like he'll be fine for game three. They're going to need he- a, a lot out of him. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's good that he'll be in the lineup. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to start, so this is where I'll begin, and there's a few different ways we kind of can deconstruct the series and re-put it back together, but Jay, with you, what's the biggest surprise in the series? I mean, I think a lot of people thought going in that the Nets would win, the Nets would probably win in a shorter series rather than a longer series, but game two, uh, obviously, was a complete blowout almost from the beginning. 
Um, is there anything that is surprising to you, though, that you've seen so far that you were like, I expected something different from the Celtics specifically? Yeah, I thought they'd be able to score. You know, I, I didn't think they'd be able to stop the Nets at all, but I thought they'd be able to put up points against this Brooklyn defense. And, you know, game one, they hold Brooklyn, especially in the first half, to very atypically poor shooting, and they just could not put the ball in the basket. So I think Brooklyn's defense has been much better than I expected. I think the switching, it almost reminds me like a very light version of Harden's Rockets teams where they were just like super physical with switches and maybe didn't have the best like individual defenders, but they could all hold their zone and they, they're just making it tough right now. They're taking the Celtics out of what they want to do. They're disrupting that offensive flow. They're sending tons of help toward Jason Tatum, making other guys beat them and other guys haven't proven capable of beating them. So that's the one thing that surprised me most about the first couple of games is that the Celtics just have not been able to crack that Nets defense so far. Yeah, and Alex, for me, the most surprising thing so far in the series, you know, beyond like the blowout in game two, is the fact that whether it was Steve Nash's decision or Kevin Durant's decision, for Durant to guard Tatum for long stretches of the game, for Durant to be deployed as sort of the defensive wing stopper, I mean, he obviously has the capability. He has the talent to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. But I thought because of the injury, you know, the series of injuries kind of leading up into the playoffs, I just thought they would kind of – it's the playoffs. But I still thought they would try to take it easy on Durant. But he's actually playing defense against Jason Tatum for large stretches. Um, did you expect – was that an expectation going into the series? And going further, because we know the Nets are going to, you know, just dominate – the Celtics, uh, are we going to continue to see wing defender Durant just in perpetuity? I, I think so. And, uh, you know, you asked about whose decision it was. I, I don't know if either one would take credit. Neither one has said anything as to whose idea it was. But I think, you know, Durant kind of understands the, his his role and, and his the need for him, given uh, given as, as Jay was touching on the Nets defense. And, you know, I, I, I think Outside of his defense on Tatum, I think his rim protection in game two was probably the best it's been as a net. Granted, he missed half the season. Obviously, he had more of that role with uh, with Golden State, and it wasn't really needed when he started at the season because, I mean, Jared Allen had that kind of lockdown before the Harden trade. So I, I think you look, at, um, you look at the job he's done on Tatum. I mean, Tatum in game two, he didn't get a lot of baskets until – he didn't really score out until Durant was off the floor. And I'm trying to remember who – who guarded Tatum off the top of my head in game two, those few stretches. But I mean, it, uh, it's been impressive. And I feel like, you know, with, with this defense, like I, defensively, I don't think they have a lot of choice in terms, especially with green out, who's statistically been their best defender. He's got the best defensive rating through two games, small sample size, but still given the defense of this team. So I, I just think that this is kind of the way it has to be going forward. I mean, you look at the next round with Giannis, who else has the length to combat Giannis? Uh, outside of DeAndre Jordan, we already saw how that worked out. The Nick first Claxton, time. Alex, and and Nick Claxton, Nick Claxton, but but you Giannis know Nick Stopper, but you know Nick Claxton did really well in the five minutes he played on Giannis. And we're turning this into a Bucks preview, by the way. But um, um, but he, you know, Steve Nash and they're cognizant of the fact that this is his first postseason, and you got to give him some some room for error, given that that they're leaning on him a lot for the first time in in his young career like this. Jay, and I'll ask you this. Hold on. Did, oh, did sorry, you guys you see Kevin Durant? After I think it was after game two. 
when TNT had him on the the post game interview and asked him basically like, "Can you play defense anymore?" Yeah, and it almost looked like he was like like a little insulted at first, and then he realized like, "Oh yeah, we haven't played any defense at all." And <laughs> no, then just- I think he was fully insulted. I thought I think I think he was fully like, "Are they really asking?" me he's Kevin like assholes did I'm... you just see me out there with my yeah. four blocks <laughs> did you see me the other night when tristan thompson posted up right under the hoop and still couldn't score on me and i blocked his shot immediately he said, what else do you want me to do i can play defense guys i feel bad for tristan because he's getting put into a lot of bad situations and then when he's in a good situation um like he's still flubbing it to a degree like if harden switches onto him with Harden, not not even in switching when Harden has the ball. I mean, on de- when Harden's on defense, like there's been a couple of possessions where Tristan still can't score against a guy like Harden, or even there's like a Kyrie post up possession where Kyrie kind of successfully dele- uh, defended Tristan. I I just think you talked about scoring, Jay. Where so we people kind of forget when we're in the first round of the playoffs, we forget every year that the big effect that happens from going from away team to home team is that the bench players play better at home. Typically that's just on average. That's what happens. Um, Who is the, who's like that X factor guy for the Celtics that wasn't popping in one and two that can do what maybe Joe Harris did or uh, some sort of approximation of what Joe Harris did. Who is that on the Celtics that could provide 20 points that they weren't expecting. See, that that's one of their biggest problems is that they don't really have that guy. <laughs> um, their supporting cast, like, beyond their starters, they can't trust anyone to put the ball in the bucket. And that's why they had to play Jabari Parker in games one and two because they felt the need to, to spruce up their offense knowing they're going to have to score a lot of points to keep pace with the Nets. Jabari Parker can't play defense. Jabari Parker isn't even a very good offensive player. Like he he can't shoot threes. Um, the the guys that that they need to play better, I think. I think it starts at the top. Like Tatum needs to play better. Kemba needs to play better. Yeah, Kemba really. You know, yeah. Evan Fournier, you need to get what you got from him in game two. He needs to shoot the ball and alleviate some of the pressure on those other guys and. And I think, and then Robert Williams needs to play more, but I don't know if he can play more because of his toe. And and so that that's another problem they have. Um, yeah, maybe Aaron Neesmith, but but that's the thing. Like like the Nets get it from Joe Harris, and the Celtics are hoping to get it from like Aaron Neesmith or Peyton Pritchard, you know. Yeah. And and so there, there's just a huge gap between role players. Never mind the gap at the top where it's. Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving versus Tatum, Kemba Walker, and Marcus Smart. So it's just the Celtics are in trouble. <laughs> They're in trouble. Uh, but I, I do think that they they can and should play better at home. And then obviously the the Kyrie return, his first time in Boston with fans, should be should make for an electric electric game. Yeah, and let's get to that. Podiatrist, by the way, Jeff Green's strained plantar fascia and, and Robert Williams turf toes. It's like the Boston Celtics Nets uh, podiatrist series. <laughs> I'm sure that's what people are going to be making T-shirts up of uh, the the foot series. Al- Alex, I mean, Jay brought up Kyrie Rex Irving. Ryan loves this shit. Yeah, 
I I I will I will say I know Rex Ryan. I used to know him personally. Uh, growing up in the Maryland area, like I I never knew that about him. Um, but it also makes sense when you meet meet Rex Ryan that that's like a vibe he would give off. He gives off that vibe, and I'm not hating on that vibe. You know, go if that's what you enjoy, that's what you enjoy. I'm just saying he gives off a vibe that is like, what's going on with this guy? There's a little, there's a little juice under there. You know what I'm saying? It's something different. <laughs> my feet, no, my feet are are hideous. I have Hobbit feet. Are you kidding me, Jay? <laughs> going forward, I I didn't know you were the expert on foot vibes. Next time I'm, I'm I need help on that. I'm calling just, you, Mike. Just all vibes, all vibes, man. But um, speaking of vibes, speaking of Kyrie Irving, um, obviously Kyrie had some statements, what was it, yesterday, Alex, about what he didn't want to hear. It was after game two. Okay, so obviously I'm sure most people heard it. Um, How did that kind of get brought up in conversation? What Kyrie essentially said was like, I would not like to hear you know, racist, uh, or subtly racist language. Both of them. I think he both said, how did that get brought up in conversation in, in the post-game conversation? What was the question? And sort of then what was his fuller answer? Cause sometimes we get part of the answer and obviously not the full thing. Yeah. I mean, he was asked as you'd expect after game two, you know, you're going back to Boston. It's going to be the first time with fans there. And, uh, he, I think in his own way, tried to downplay it in that, um, in that, he talked about being a visitor in Boston before, which is true. Obviously, he was a visitor as a Cavalier and as a net around Christmas, but or on Christmas, excuse me. But uh, at the same time, it's uh, it's a bit different than it was the first time where I, I mean, Jay, I don't know if you were at that game, but I mean, I, I assume there were just absolutely no fans in the building at that point. Yeah, nobody was there. So he didn't get even a small taste of what it'll be like with fans. Yeah, so his exact quote was, it's not my first time being an opponent in Boston, so I'm just looking forward to competing with my teammates, and hopefully we can just keep it to strictly basketball. There's no belligerence or racism going on, subtle racism, people yelling shit from the crowd, but even if it is, it's part of the nature of the game, and we're just going to focus on what we can control. Um, Follow-up question, have you experienced racism in Boston before? He says, I'm not the only one who can attest to this, but it is just, you know, throws hands in the air. It is what it is. The whole world knows it. And just like that, the Nets ended Kyrie's press conference. Jay, I mean, you wrote a really good story uh, on the Athletic, and if you want to, you could find Jay. You can find Jay's story on Twitter. On Jay, what's your Twitter handle? At by Jay King. I don't think I've tweeted it out yet, but I will. I will for the people. Well, just click any link and then get behind that paywall through him. Um, I think we all have a deal right now. It's like a dollar a month, right, for the next six months. I think that's still active or it's a great deal fantastic deal um but you know obviously so boston the it's a complex history with race and boston and boston celtics uh bill it goes all the way back to bill russell and there's there's a lot in the history and you wrote about it specifically um kind of not putting it aside but kind of accounting for all of that your expectation when Kyrie, his first game with the bigger stadium, I'm sure there's going to be like 95% fans, right, at TD Garden at this point. They're ramping up the capacity. I think it's going to be like close to 100% for game four. Game three will be more than they've had in any game so far. Will, will there be an unvaccinated section? 
like we've seen other arenas or will it be all vaxxed? I think it's all, it's just going to be free for everyone, but I'm not sure about that, honestly. I kind of feel bad. I mean, obviously, everyone, if you have access to the vaccine, you should get it right. I'll, I'm fine advocating for that. I do feel bad for the camera shots of like, here's the unvaccinated section. You're like, it's right, like the well, scarlet letter. Yeah, like and everyone's distant and apart as you know, you should be if you're not vaccinated. But then they show like the raucousness of the vaccinated section. I mean, it's about the best advertisement for like, hey, get the vaccine as possible. Um, but what is your expectation? It's going to be like crazy, right? Like it, th there's just going to be a fervor in the crowd with Kyrie. It was the whole game when the Nets played in Boston November 2019 last season and yeah. he wasn't even there. He wasn't even in the building. And the whole game they were chanting about Kyrie and just letting him have it to the point where he addressed it on Instagram after the game and seemed like pretty upset by it. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to be ruthless. Like, he is probably the most hated Celtic of my lifetime. Um, previously, it was Ray Allen. I was about to bring him up because yeah. he left for the Miami Heat, but but Kyrie surpassed that because first he pledged to stay in Boston, then he contributed and was a centerpiece to the destruction of the following season, and then it comes out later that he probably agreed to play for the Nets like months before he finished playing for the Celtics was totally checked out in the Milwaukee series to the point where even before he entered free agency, there were fans late in that series calling for him to leave Boston in, from the stands. Um, and so it was just, and he would, he took shots at teammates. It was, that whole team was, was screwed up. Like it was a complicated mess. He was not at all the only person to blame for it. But because he's Kyrie, he took most of the blame. And then he left for Brooklyn. And he's he's a hated, hated man in, in Boston for for the way he went out and because he said he was gonna stay. He went in that year, he went from like super beloved to absolutely loathed in in short, short time. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Jay, I got a, I got a question. I'm not trying to jump Mike, but I, not, not that I care. Uh, he, he passes on me regularly for this show. But um, <laughs> I, I was talking to someone the other day about this. Do you think there's a, you know, I, I think about growing up in New York, I mean, or around New York, excuse me. Um, 
you know, Johnny Damon obviously is, you know, drew a lot of ire for signing with the Yankees after winning one with the Red Sox. But, you know, as, as a friend of mine from Boston point out, he, he at least won a ring there. Uh, Roger Clemens came very close. And I mean, that, that's kind of a unique dynamic too. Cause I mean, that was more of the front office passing on Roger Clemens than, than, uh, him wanting to leave per se. I mean, I, you talk about him being the most hated Celtic of your life. It, even in Boston sports in general, it's tough to find someone else that's up in that category. I'm, I'm curious, do you think there's a world in which, uh, he can, he can make it up at all, or, or, or there's any kind of path to forgiveness or is this, is this just the way it's going to be? You think the rest of his career, even if obviously, as we've said, he hasn't played before in Boston. Even if everyone gets it off their chest this weekend, I mean, do you think it's going to stop, or, or as long as the Celtics don't win a ring and he's still playing, that's going to be the case? Yeah, no, the fans are not going to like him ever, and and it's not it's not only because he left, and I think that's what what separates him from like a Johnny Damon, because Johnny Damon, when he was with the Red Sox, fans loved him. They loved him the whole way through. With Kyrie, that last year was so rough, and and he played such a central part in that, and he caused locker room tension. He regularly said stuff that players took offense to. He kind of isolated himself from from his teammates, um, and and so I, I think fans saw that all happen, then saw him leave then heard that he was plotting to leave for months after saying that he wanted to stay forever. And, and so, yeah, there's, there's no coming back for Kyrie. It it doesn't matter what he does from now on. Like, and, and Jay, you're from Boston or, you know, so, and you, so you understand this better than anyone. There are particular cities within the NBA map, the fan bases from those cities that will react a certain way differently than other ones do. So, like, obviously it's, like, Philly and Boston. I really think it's just those two because you could say the Knicks, but the Knicks fan base, typically when the guy leaves the Knicks, it's because they're damaged on their way out. You know, you think of Marbury or Lynn, Chris Stapps. Chris, there wasn't people, like, furious at Chris Stapps because he was being damaged on the way out. Carmelo, people, you know, he was – by the end, everyone's like, yeah, Carmelo, you're allowed to leave. Please leave New York because you deserve better than what Phil Jackson was treating you. It's really Boston and Philly where, I mean, we saw what happened to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook obviously has no relation to Philadelphia, but he gets popcorn dumped on him. And I'm not saying that's going to happen in Boston, but those two cities, the fan bases are very similar in their passion, their history with the franchises. Uh, The 76ers matter a lot to Philadelphia. The Celtics matter a lot to Boston. And as an outsider, until Kyrie got to the Nets, the way Ky- like the narrative that was built up in the beginning with Kyrie of like his dad, him and his dad playing on the basketball court, when he gets traded to the Celtics, it was like there was like a sense of like almost a homecoming, even though Kyrie, of course, is from New Jersey. Um, so like that narrative plays out, and then the way it ended, the way you described, it, it makes sense that the Celtics fans hate. Kyrie and I, but the whole thing is, is like, what's the proper way to hate in 2021 as a fan, right? Like what's, can, are you allowed to hate? Are you allowed to be angry at another player? Like we see, we see Trey Young. Trey Young is like, it's funny to me that Trey Young's a villain. This guy, he's six one one sixty, and we're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to hate Trey Young. He obviously worked 
extremely hard to get to who he was. It's not like he was blessed with these beyond physical gifts that just sort of make him like a, almost like a Greek god. He's like an average, like if he showed up at the YMCA, if you just saw him and didn't think of anything, you'd be like, yeah, that's Trey Young. Or you, you wouldn't think it's Trey Young, you'd be like, that's a regular guy. Anyways, I just think it it's going to be interesting. Kyrie, we know, has not wanted to play in the cities that he used to play in. Like, he's missed Cleveland games. He's missed Boston games before. He's also played in Boston and played in Cleveland. I'm going to debunk that myth right now. Sure. Because I think I think that's unfair. He, he didn't play against any of the bad teams that last year in Boston because his knee, like, they wanted to give him rest. And so he he missed games against all sorts of bad teams. And so Cleveland was just very bad. And so that's why he missed that game. When when Cleveland had LeBron, he played in those games. And so so I think that's a little unfair. And then obviously last year he had the the injuries sure. with, with Brooklyn. And so that's why he didn't play in Boston. So I think that people say that all the time. And he has missed a lot of games against his former teams. But I think it's more due to just happenstance than Kyrie saying, I, I – I want to avoid playing in those places. And he got a good reception in Cleveland when the Nets did play there this year. They did the little tribute video for me. He kept pointing to his ring finger, and uh, granted, it was it was limited capacity, but uh, again, it, they, the, the environment there compared to what we're all expecting this weekend is night and day. Yeah, yeah. granted, there were yeah. two different situations, but yeah, because Kyrie, like, he at least left behind a championship in Cleveland. In Boston, he left behind he. He stomped on dreams of a championship. <laughs> and then when he, he left, wreckage, basically, when he yeah. left, like he contributed to such a such turmoil that Al Horford left that the Celtics front office, which wanted to pursue Anthony Davis, was no longer able to do that because they didn't have a talented enough roster. Uh, Gordon Hayward left a year later. Do you think it actually impacts what will happen on the floor? The. Because, again, if we also trace it back, these guys haven't played in front of big crowds for, uh, what, two, like, basically two years or what, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, a year and a half. Um, They now are starting to, in the playoffs, um, the crowd in Brooklyn obviously was energetic and excited. In Boston, it's going to be the same way, except there's going to be, like, a layer of hate (laughs) on top of that. Like, if it's a latte, it's the frothy milk. Uh, on top of of that espresso shot of energy, um, how does that actually impact what the game will be like? Do you anticipate that it will have any impact at all? I think, yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be so hostile that there will be an impact. Um, what that will be, I don't know. It could be that Kyrie goes for sixty. It could be that he forces things and doesn't get going, and the Nets don't play well. It could be that Boston gets energized because, you know, they've been playing in front of 2,500 fans and now there are more fans and now they're as loud as they've ever been. And, you know, basically the last last chance of making this a competitive series ain't going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, I don't know what the impact will be, but I think the crowd will absolutely have some sort of impact. Here's the way I'm looking at it. You look at his stat line from game two, right? So uh, 15 points, six for 12 shooting, six assists, six rebounds. You know, not not a bad little game from him. Obviously, Joe Harris is shooting kind of dominated the Nets offense. But, like, you know, if you were to tell me, would you take that stat line in uh, in game 
three or either something better or worse. I would or, or or something similar. I would pick the la- the other two instead of staying with that. Like I think he's either going, as you said, like have a video game like you know movie scene type game where he comes back in the showering with booze and he just goes Eye of the Tiger, Last of the Mohicans, and rips their heart out. <laughs> either that or he has like. I call it the Philly game where last year, I think he was like six for 21 from the floor, like five for 21. And after that, that's when he famously said, you know, we need more pieces. Um, I, I just think it's going to be one of those two. Like, I just have a hard time believing when, you know, when, when J.I. And, and Jared Weiss in our little Net Celtics group text for this series are talking about what we're all writing. I don't think it's going to be, you know, oh, Kyrie just had an all right game today. Or his performance was just all right. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it's either going to be tilted one way or the other on the on the performance scale. And I think part of what has made the Nets so impossible to stop is that they are committed to making the extra pass. You know, like like KD, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving have all played great basketball together. And and they've been willing to just dump it off to Joe Harris. And I think I think when when they got assembled, I think people didn't appreciate how well those guys would fit together especially offensively. And I think people underestimated how willing they would be to sacrifice their own personal touches and, and personal stats. Um, and that's a big part of how, how good they are and how potent they are. So if that goes away, then, then uh, you know, because Kyrie is gunning for his, then that could be bad for the Nets unless he just scores 70 anyway, which he's totally capable of. <laughs> See, I uh, yeah, I, that, go ahead, Mike. Well, that's the worst case scenario. Is that he, he obviously Kobe Bryant meant a lot to Kyrie Irving, and Kobe did have a tendency, and this and the Celtics played into this tendency when the Celtics faced the Lakers in the finals. Was um, it, Kobe can kind of get tunnel vision, and he would just look for his shot, and that no one else on the team would get involved, and it, it became the Kobe show. And Kyrie also has those tendencies because he is so gifted and because he can get within eight feet to two feet of the basket every time he touches the ball, like he can get wherever he wants to be on the floor. So in his mind, he's like, well, I do have the ball and I can, I can get a golf, a good shot whenever I want. What you, what you don't want, if you're a Nets fan is you don't want that. You, you don't want Kyrie to be like, I'm going to show these MFers here in Boston you know, these, these Dunkin' Donuts drinking Bostonians, I'm going to show them, I'm going to put up 45 in the TD Garden and we're going to win game three and I'm going to shut them all up. Like, you don't want that. And I don't think that's going to happen. I just think what you, you, you just, that's a possibility. In the range of possibilities, that is a range, that's a possibility. And I think the other possibility here is that KD and James Harden and the rest of the Nets recognize how much it means to Kyrie to get a win in Boston and play their asses off for him. And, and I think that's a possibility too, because they know how big this is. Like he he can downplay it and, and he can, he can say, I've played there as an opponent before, but this is a big game for him. It's a big game. That's he's been waiting for that. The fans have been waiting for, for almost two years. It's going to be, as hostile an environment as he's ever played in, probably including the NBA Finals when he was in all those with Cleveland. Um, so I, I think 
like there's definitely a chance that the Nets recognize that and just play their asses off for Kyrie and and kind of and that's how this goes. But anything could happen. I, I agree. Something I'm curious about, you know, we've all watched the NBA a long time. You know, I think about when LeBron came back to Cleveland after going to Miami. I think about um, Kevin Durant going back to Oklahoma City where Russell Westbrook dressed up as a photographer. Um, you know, th- those are the first two that come to mind in terms of of just hostile. And I mean, even though he wasn't there, I would even just put up, I, I think the-, the game you and I were at last year, Jay, November 2019, even with, you know, all the posters with Courage the Cowardly Line and Kyrie's face, like, I think that's almost like its own animal, no pun intended, just because, like, he wasn't there, but it was it was that level anyway. I'm I'm curious. Do you think when this is all said and done that what we see this weekend is going to top the, some of the games I just mentioned in terms of hostility and, and craziness? Or do you think um, it's going to be on par or maybe even a little less? It's funny. One of my friends from Boston said, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. A bunch of people have their Cape Cod house circle on the calendar. Um, I think it's being a little overplayed for that. I didn't grow up there, obviously. I know that it's Jersey Shore weekend this uh, this weekend, too. But um, but uh I thought it was funny. He's talking. He's like, yeah, you know, I mean, every he's got Kyrie's coming back, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to Cape Cod. So I, I was, I was kind of surprised that that was his reaction, given the Celtics fan of me as. But, uh, but w- would you take this game or the field over some of the ones I mentioned? I would take this game for sure. I just think, like Celtics fans know, this series is over. They're they're not delusional enough to think the Celtics are going to win this series. But <laughs> that being said, it wouldn't matter. If it was an exhibition game, it wouldn't matter if if it was, you know, a pickup game at the at the park in, in Boston. They've been waiting to to let Kyrie know how they feel about him for a long time. And I expect energy similar to how it was in November 2019, because that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was loud. The chance were going throughout the whole the whole game. I think I think it's going to be extremely extremely hostile in td garden i i'm going to agree with you you know um the the cities i mentioned right you know cleveland and uh in oklahoma city i hope i'm allowed back in both these places because they're very key to my job but um <laughs> i wouldn't classify their their sports fandom or you know i wouldn't classify them as sports towns at the level i would with boston right especially with all the winning boston's done on in multiple sports in the 21st century and and as you said, I mean, you know, one I used it in our uh, in our series preview, but um, you know that that picture of the little kids holding up, you know, Perk has bigger nuts than Kyrie, and all I want to do is uh, is boo Kyrie. <laughs> you know, I I asked the parents when I took that picture, I was like, you know, um, it's like, you know, are you are you okay with me taking the picture? Like, yeah, you know, I, I hope Kyrie sees it. Like, uh, <laughs> th- doesn't matter, my kid's eight years old. You know, I I want him to see that. He needs to know. He needs to know. So like, I um. You know, I, that, that night will stick with me the rest of my life because it's a bunch it, it, of lunatics I live near. Yeah. So um, I, I just remember thinking that, like, as you said, Jay, like, you know, I mean, that game was like four or five months before the pandemic and quarantine started. You know, I thought Landry Shamit made an interesting point today talking about all the fan stuff going on, you know, with, with Russell Westbrook and, and Trey Young and how he said, you know, people have been bottled up in their houses for a year, year and a half, whatever you want to call it. And they're just getting out or a year and few months, excuse me. I'm not that bad at math. And um, they're just getting out. And, you know, it's been a weird year. And, you know, like, you know, people have stuff to get off their chest, whether it's right or wrong. Um, I, I, I almost think that you can make a case the pandemic and, and quarantine has maybe amplified what it would have been if, he, if it was a regular game and, and nothing. And, you know, COVID-19 never happened and time just went forward. Right. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like this is the first time the country's starting to reopen and people have 
people have something to say. They've had they've had to wait longer than usual to say it, and maybe there's like a domino effect there in terms of intensity and hostility, passion, all that stuff. Fans need to tone it down, man. Russell Westbrook, I, I wish he'd been allowed to just get one. Do you see how many guys guy it took to dropped. restrain him? <laughs> yeah, it took I, four more guys to restrain him than it would take to restrain me. I was like, that was ridiculous. All right, well, I got, I, I should probably go. I'm the host of the show. And there's construction work being done outside the car that I'm recording in, uh, which is insane. But obviously, you know, it's weird to say it's like uh, sort of exciting, the Kyrie fan, Celtics fan element of it, because it could be like it could be overly nasty. But it is uh, certainly going to be interesting to watch. Um, It'll be uh, a good test to see how the Nets respond and to see if the Celtics can sort of harness that energy and see if they can pull off an upset um, in game three. We will see. Uh, Jay, will you be there? And Alex, will you be there? I will be there. I will sadly not be. I'd love to see it, but I'm going to, I'm going to be living vicariously through Jay on, uh, on Friday. All right. Well, you can read both Jay and yeah, you can read both Jay and Alex on the athletic. Just go to their Twitter, just click on one of their articles and subscribe multiple times through the articles. Um, That's how you need to do it. Uh, Thank you both for being here. Jay, enjoy the offseason. And Alex, I'll talk to you throughout the rest of the playoffs. It was great to talk to you, fellas. Yeah, this was good. (laughs) This was fun. Thanks, guys.